According to my count, 93 Sundays evenings ago, or times that we've spent together, uh, we began our study through uh, kind of an overview of sound doctrine by using uh, the London Baptist Confession as kind of a framework to help us cover various points of of theology. And uh, we, uh, we come to the last chapter. And fittingly, uh, the title is Of the Last Judgment. Look on the screen at Acts chapter 17. And, and really, um, if you have your Bible, you could turn there because this is kind of a, really a key text that covers uh, much of what we're going to cover this evening. But Acts 17, um, think about the context. What is taking place in Acts 17? You remember? Kind of one of those pinnacle, mountaintop moments in the book of Acts. Mars Hill. Mars Hill, yeah. And so as uh, Paul is speaking there, uh, he is bringing truth to bear. And as he says these things, uh, often we speak of, of Acts 17 as, well, that's where we just need to reason. That we just need to uh, ph- uh, use philosophy Uh, to evangelize and yet look at where paul goes he says truly these times of ignorance god overlooked but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained he has given assurance to this excuse me, assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Look at paragraph one in the confession. God, meaning God the Father, has appointed a day wherein he will judge the world in righteousness by Jesus Christ, to whom all power and judgment is given of the Father, in which day not only the apostate angels shall be judged, But likewise, all persons that have lived upon the earth shall appear before the tribunal of Christ to give an account of their thoughts, words, and deeds, and to receive according to what they have done in the body, whether good or evil. We see, as we read in Acts chapter 17, that God has appointed a day. Uh, that it is not up for uh, the roll of the dice, that that day has been appointed. Uh, It has been appointed uh, since time began. And it was appointed by the Father. The, The word there in Acts chapter 17, he is appointed, it literally means fixed or established or to stand in some contexts, it's used to specify a con- um, a contractually uh, that there is something that is required and it will happen. Uh, somewhat of a, an agreement, a guarantee. And he has appointed a day. We think of the, the scripture that speaks about, uh, do not think that the, lowest, the, the Lord is slow, uh, that he will not let the guilty go free, but there is a day of judgment. And it is a day that only he knows. 
Jesus says in Mark 13, 32, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. It is a day that has been appointed. It is a day that uh, the circumstances of life do not change it. When it is, just ask Harold Camping, right? Uh, there's been many predictions, but we must always be cautious to, uh, to try to pinpoint a day. Uh, I would argue that every generation has said, this is the generation that will come. And, and many of the, the things in the last uh, 80 years that have happened, uh, with uh, especially a lot of emphasis on prophecy and end times, there's a, well, we can see the time, the clock is ticking. In one hand, we must live as though Christ is coming today to be ready, to have as uh, the, the virgins that were ready, to have their, their lamps trimmed and ready. For it is an imminent return. But at the same time, we do not know when that is. But it is a day, it is a day that has been appointed and it has been fixed in eternity past by the Father. The means by which that day will come, there will be a judgment, and that judgment will come through Christ. Again, look at Acts 17. These times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man. Uh, Many translations capitalize uh, man, because who is that speaking of? I know it's nice and cozy warm in here tonight, but through Christ. For Christ himself is the means by which judgment will come. Keep your finger in uh, Acts 17 and flip over to Revelation. A week ago, uh, at the G3 conference, Vodi Bakum preached from Revelation 7. Um, it was a, a wonderful message. But notice uh, verses 9 and following. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and honor, thanksgiving and honor and power and, uh, and might be to our God forever and ever. All glory, again verse 10 says, belongs to God who sits upon the throne and to the, the Lamb. Who is that Lamb spoken of? Christ himself. And what, does, uh, what do we see earlier in the chapter? Who is worthy to open the scroll? And who is the an- what is the answer? Christ. But think about what is that scroll in Revelation? 
the scroll in which the seals will be released or will be broken away, and each of those seals is what? Judgment. That Christ himself is the means by which judgment comes. That the scrolls will be opened up, as John says in John 5, 22, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. And then verse 27, And has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Again, sometimes we look at the book of John and say the, um, in the book of Luke, where we see the title Son of Man, that is not speaking of just his, his lowly humanity, but his deity and his authority. Acts 10, verse 42. And he, meaning God, commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Christ himself will be the one who brings judgment. And notice the, the, the means by which it comes is through Christ, but how it is brought, it is brought about in righteousness. Righteous, you could say, does what is right. And there's only one judge who can ever do completely what is right. For every human judge is fallen. They will make wrong decisions. But we have one judge who knows every thought, every deed, every action. Past, present, and future. For he is omniscient, omnipresent. And Psalm 139 is a great comfort for where can we go from his spirit. But yet it's also a great warning to us that we cannot hide our sin. Like we're Adam and Eve covering ourselves and hiding from God in the garden. When God said, where are you, Adam? He was not wondering where God was. He knew. But God will rightly judge through Christ. And who will he judge on that day? Two different groups. The apostate or the fallen angels... Uh, we often point, as Revelation says, the, the one-third being cast out. How many is one-third? One-third of the innumerable number. Uh, we don't know exactly. But there was a appointed a time of judgment for the angels, and that will be the day, and then all of mankind, the righteous and the unrighteous. And again, think of this timeline. When a, a believer dies, his soul goes to be with God. When an unbeliever dies, his soul goes to be in a state of judgment. But it is not eternal uh, judgment yet. Those who are living at the point of Christ's return, all will face judgment. The bodies will be resurrected, will all face judgment together. So there is somewhat of a judgment that happens upon our death because there's a separation. We don't all just go to some in-between soul sleep. We've seen that in previous weeks. But we all give an account, both righteous and unrighteous. And this is that final judgment. For we will give an account. Romans fourteen twelve. 
Paul warns us, so then each of us shall give account of himself to God. As a parent, I often say, God will hold you accountable for what you do to my children. We always want to point the finger, well, so-and-so, 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 but God holds us responsible for our actions. Ecclesiastes 12, 14, For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Notice the confession says every thought, every word, every deed, um, thoughts, words, actions. I think that's why the psalmist says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He desires and recognizes before God. God knows all these things and he desires to walk in purity in all of those areas because there will be a day when everything is laid before, the, before God. And our thoughts... We sing, test our thoughts and our attitudes in the radiance of your glory, or in the radiance of your purity. But also, let us hear Jesus' words in Matthew twelve thirty six. But I say to you, that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. I was really challenged when I was reading uh, a book uh, by Tony Ranke called, uh, entitled, uh, 12 Ways Your Phone Has Changed You. And in it, he says, this is a verse we all need to remember with social media, that every word we speak, we are held accountable for. Every word we type, we will be held accountable. And to be th- thinking through what we type, what we say, what we think. And then also our actions. And in light of those things, we will receive accordingly. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. No, we're not building some works-based salvation, but there is a judging of our deeds, both good and bad. An acknowledgement of those good deeds. Not for us to receive uh, credit, but for us to then turn around and delay those crowns before Christ, for he is worthy. But as we consider the judgment of all mankind, Ezra says, O Lord God of Israel, you are righteous. For we are left as a remnant as it is this day. Here we are before you in our guilt, though no one can stand before you because of this. And I I can't help but to think of Revelation 7 when it says, Who can stand before the Lord? It's only those who are covered in the blood of the Lamb. Those who do not stand in their own accord, but stand in the the righteousness of Christ. We just sang about that a few moments ago. But there is a day, a day that has been appointed, a day that will come, that no one knows that all of us will stand before God for every thought, every word, and every action. And we're not left 
saying God is unjust because he is righteous in all his ways and in his judgments. To know that there is no injustice with him. But also as a great sobering reminder that we are to stand humbled before him. In preparation for that, in preparation for that day, and on that day, we do not stand in our own righteousness if we are Christ's. We stand in Christ's righteousness. That our hope is not in our uh, filthy rags, but yet in God's kindness, he judges all of our deeds. How much do we take into account every thought, every word, and every action? Do we bring it all, as Paul says, into the obedience of Christ, taking every thought captive? I think as we are reminded of these truths that we will stand one day before God for every thought, every action, every word, it causes us or it should cause us to say, Lord, let my words be few. Let my words be careful. Let the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these reminders. Father, I confess how easy it is to just set aside the coming judgment as as a day that is far out, that is far not to be accomplished in this lifetime. But Lord, let us be reminded that that day we do not know when it is. But Lord, that we would hear Scripture's call that today is the day of salvation, for we do not know the day or hour, for Christ will come like a thief in the night. Lord, I pray that in light of your purity and your holiness, that you would show us our sinfulness and that we would fall upon Christ for our salvation For we in our own flesh cannot stand in the day of judgment. But Lord, I pray that in Christ's righteousness we will stand by faith in his finished work. Father, may we not fear that day of judgment. May we humbly look forward to that day when you bring all wrongs to be made right, when you bring all sin to be accounted for. Father, we humbly and thankful, thankfully come and praise Christ for what he has done. Lord, it's in his name we pray. Amen.